Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We had a big anniversary here at the Family Life Center. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary. So with that, let's move on to today's topic. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you saved? Have you ever heard that question from an evangelical friend? Are you saved? I got this question from Mike, and it's an excellent question. He writes, you talk about justification, having a Protestant definition and a Catholic definition, but how does either definition relate to the Protestant questions, have you been saved? Or have you asked Jesus into your heart? Or have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? I don't think I've ever heard a Protestant use the term justification. They usually just ask, have you been saved? I'm going to try to answer Mike's question. And with the upcoming holidays, a lot of our friends and family members will ask, have you been saved? And what makes it a little difficult in answering this question is that there isn't just one Protestant answer to this because we're talking about two different ways of looking at salvation, Protestant and Catholic, but even within Protestantism, it's not exactly uniform. But just to start off with, Mike has been obviously following along our talks on justification, and he says he never hears anyone mention justification in asking about his salvation. They simply say, have you been saved? And to make this rather simple, the question usually arises from an understanding of justification, or take it a little maybe a step further, perhaps the pastor's understanding of justification, and then he teaches the Bible in such a way as salvation or have you been saved. But let's boil your evangelical friend's question down to two things that he or she really wants to know. First, they want to know that you are saved by grace. In other words, are you trusting in your salvation yourself, or are you trusting God? If I were to ask you, on what basis do you expect to be saved? On what basis do you expect to go to eternal life with God? And you've heard me ask this several times on this program, and the reason I ask it a lot is because the misunderstanding here is so vast and the consequences so severe that we really need to get this one straight. So if a Catholic answers, on what basis are you saved or are you saved? And if a Catholic would answer, well, I try to be a good person, or I'm a Catholic, or I go to church every week, it's I, 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 you are trusting in yourself. You are trusting in yourself for salvation. Are you trusting in Christ? And the second thing your friend's going to want to know is that do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Now, here is where if you don't get that first 
trust in Christ correct, you will end up with a very quenched Holy Spirit in your life. Because without a trust in Christ, the life of grace, the life of Jesus is so quenched that even though you go through the motions of your Christian faith, it can be very mechanical, abstract, spiritually dead, and void of a personal relationship with Christ. I'm going to mention two sets of verses that your evangelical friend may be very familiar with, and these two sets of verses kind of lie behind that question, are you saved? The first is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and it goes like this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, not by yourself. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what your evangelical friend is going to want to hear, and this is straight out of the Bible, that you are saved by grace, that you realize that this is not your own doing. Second set of verses comes from Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Ephesians 2, Titus 3. And by the way, if there's any interest, I may, for this week and next week, put together a list of verses that I'm referring to. But Titus 3, 5 and following, he saved us not because of deeds or works done by us, but in virtue of his own mercy, which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. So what's your hope for eternal life? First, he says he saved us, not because of our deeds, but because of his mercy, so that we might be justified by his grace. And you see here, there's a near equivalent between being saved by grace and justified by God's grace. These are the things your evangelical friend is going to be very interested in. And what should a Catholic answer? Yes. Are you saved in the sense of you trusting in Jesus's grace? And you can say to your evangelical friend, if by that question do you mean that I'm trusting in God's grace and mercy for my salvation? You answer, of course I am. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I'm just going to quote two short passages, first from section 1998. The vocation to eternal life is supernatural, it depends entirely on God's gracious initiative, for he alone can reveal and give himself. It surpasses the power of human intellect and will. In other words, it's impossible to save yourself. And that's why Jesus came. It's supernatural. It depends on God. It depends on God's initiative. It's not depending on us to get this process going. Catechism, section 2005. We cannot therefore rely on our feelings or our works to conclude that we are justified and saved. In other words, we're trusting in God. Now, that sounds fairly easy. We can kind of get along with that. 
But then you might mention to your friend who asked, are you saved? And you say, by that do you mean that I'm trusting in God's grace? And honestly, parents need to be aware of this. Catechists need to be aware of this. Really, priests and deacons need to be, be aware of this. I would dare say that a significant majority of Catholics are unclear about this first step of trusting in God's grace and not ourselves. It's that significant. So don't just overlook it and assume that because someone has gone through CCD or a member of a youth group or even an active member of your parish, surveys have shown that many Catholics struggle in this very area, okay? So you're gonna answer your friend if by are you saved, you mean am I trusting in God's grace for salvation? It's yes, I am. And do I have a personal relationship with God? Well, if you are trusting in God's grace, he will grant you that personal relationship. And as a Catholic, it'll particularly deepen through your participation in the sacraments. Now, here's where it gets a little complicated. In the Protestant setting, to, quote, get saved or to be justified is a one-step kind of a momentary experience. In other words, it's something you've encountered in the past. You've come to the place in your life where you place your faith in Christ, trusting in his grace, and boom, it's a one-stage salvation. It's a one-stage justification. And you say, well, if you're really interested in what Catholics believe, you can say, well, there's kind of three aspects to it, really. Catholics believe that we are saved. We also believe that we are being saved. And we also believe that we will be saved. In other words, the Protestant is a past one-time experience that has ongoing effects, but Catholics have a very dynamic past, present, and future aspect to salvation. And let me break this down for you. To begin with, there are various types of faith. There's saving faith, and then there's a faith that may be inadequate. I'm going to go to a passage that's very familiar to Protestants who come to ask the question, are you saved? It's Romans chapter 10 two verses in verse 9 and verse 10, it reads like this. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified, and he confesses with his lips and so is saved. If you noticed, uh, I've read to you from Romans 10.10, 10, both being saved and being justified. It's in the same verse, and it's just being brought together. The two concepts are almost synonymous here. But notice Paul singles out first believing with the heart, and to believe is to have faith, okay? That's personal, heartfelt trust. And remember I, at the very beginning, I said your Protestant friend is gonna to wanna to know two things, two things that are related, that you are saved by grace, trusting in grace, one, and two, that you have a personal relationship with Christ. 
all right, in the Protestant notion that saving faith is believing with the heart and trusting in Jesus. Now, that is good, and that is fine, and that is wonderful, but from a Catholic viewpoint, it is inadequate. In addition to that personal, heartfelt trust, the Catholic faith recognizes what is required beyond the personal, heartfelt trust is what we call a confessional faith, where St. Paul says man believes with his heart and so is justified. He confesses with his lips and so is saved. In other words, there needs to be a confession and a belief in a content of the faith. And we have summarized for us in the Apostles' Creed, in the Nicene Creed, which are confessed at various times during the year and in Mass. When you say, I believe, in the first line of the creeds, that is incredibly important because along with that heartfelt personal trust has to come with the mouth a confession of what has been revealed by God and that you trust in that. And what a creed is, is a summary of that. So yes, a Catholic can say, I have that personal heartfelt faith or trust in God. But just like you'd say, uh, yes, I believe I'm saved by grace, but there's an ongoing nature to that, and there will be a future aspect to that. In other words, it's a little deeper, it's a little richer, it's a little bit more comprehensive. So we also have that dogmatic faith or confessional faith where we firmly accept the divine revelation and we confess in summary form using the creeds. Okay. Now, there's two more types of faith. And this is where it gets really sticky, because as a formal doctrine, the Protestant creeds confess that the type of faith that saves is the faith alone doctrine. And it comes from Martin Luther inserting the word alone in Romans chapter 3 and verse 28 where he changed it to read, we are justified or saved by faith alone. And to their credit, there is not a Protestant English translation in existence that follows Luther by inserting the word alone, which isn't found in the Greek text. It simply says we are justified by faith. And the faith alone according to James, and this is why Martin Luther hated the epistle to James, because he called it, kind of called him out on this. James 2 and verse 14 says, if a man says that he has faith but has not works, can his faith save him? And it, it's a rhetorical question. If you go to, to James chapter 2, of course not. It's not saving faith. So if it's the faith alone which is the Protestant doctrine. This is the doctrine that Martin Luther said, the church will either stand or fall on this doctrine. It's not saving faith. So it's really undermining it. Now I need to interject something here since I have been an evangelical for 20 years. I would dare say the majority of evangelicals and uh, a good majority exceed 
their formal doctrinal understanding. And this is what I mean. If you would ask a Protestant pastor, uh, you know, how are we justified? He would say, boom, faith alone. That's that's the creed. But even evangelical pastors and, and people may have not had formal theological training, and their Christian thinking may be more based on their Bible reading than from a book in systematic theology written by an evangelical. And through their Bible reading, they come to be a more balanced position where it's not really faith alone. They realize it's kind of common sense and scriptural sense that, yes, if we love Jesus, we do do the good works, not trying to earn our relationship with him. We, we've already covered that. That's, it's, it's trusting in God. It's something supernatural. It's his initiative. We depend on him. We trust in him. But once you come into a relationship with Jesus, that's that's what the new covenant's all about. Sure, you do good things. So there's kind of a—actually, um, it's very confusing because on one hand, the formal Protestant doctrine is faith alone, but many evangelicals really don't adhere to that because they've read the Bible enough to realize there's more to it. Now, a few moments ago, I quoted you two important passages that the evangelicals are familiar with in order to establish that we are saved by God's grace and not by ourselves. These are great passages. What you should have done, if you were at home, is open your Bible and follow along with me, because I'm going to go back to these same passages, and instead of ending where I ended five minutes ago, I'm going to add one verse to Ephesians chapter 2, in other words, I quoted to you Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I'm going to add verse 10. And then I'm going to go to Titus 3, and I'm going to add verse 8, which I didn't quote before. And by adding those one verses to the context of trusting in God's grace, believing in God, but the type of faith we're talking about is not alone, but a faith that has an ongoing present nature, so that our salvation has an ongoing present nature. I'll go back. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Okay? Okay. That the catechism asserts with great force. Then verse 9, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Now, here's where the problem comes. When the average Protestant sees the word works, they think of something really bad all the time, and that's a mistake. Here, it is something bad in verse 9. It's talking about human works trying to earn salvation. That's the plan of salvation being, I try to be a good person. That's what this is criticizing, okay? But in the next verse, verse 10, it says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for the purpose of good works. So verses, verse 9 is the bad sense of works. Verse 10, good works, they're good, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not a striving. It's something we do through the inspiration and energy of the Holy Spirit that has been granted to us because of trusting in God's saving grace, okay? So, being saved by faith, 
trusting in God's grace and good works are all compatible. So the faith alone is not what Catholics believe. They believe saving faith is working through love and doing the good works. And let's go back to Titus 3. He saved us, verse 5, not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, so that we might be justified by grace. So you see, verse 5, he saves us. Verse 7, justified by his grace. These two things are going together, basically synonymous. And then he says in verse 8, right after this, the saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God, okay, the first step in our walk of salvation, it's not a momentary dot in time, it's a walk of salvation, so those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. And in Greek, this word for deeds is ergon. It's the exact same word used in Ephesians chapter 2 for works. It's the exact same word. So careful to apply themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable to men. So you see, being saved by trusting in God's grace, being justified by grace is fully compatible. In fact, it's necessary for the ongoing nature of being saved and justified to have these good works. So are you saved? Yes, saved. And I'm part of the process of ongoing salvation by having this living faith. And my faith isn't just a heartfelt trust undefined, but my heartfelt trust is encompassed in confessions that have stood the test of time that summarize a substantial content of the faith. This is the the meat, so to speak, that Catholics have to make a real substantial notion of what salvation is. And now for the forgotten verses of the New Testament, because you can say to your evangelical friend, I mean, you could say, yes, I'm saved, but then by that I want you to know that I believe in trusting in God's grace for salvation, but I also want you to know that faith alone, according to the Bible, isn't saving faith, and that there are good works connected with being saved by grace and justified by grace, and that faith alone without any content to it is not the kind of saving faith that the Bible is talking about. But then you come to that third point. Salvation, according to Catholicism, is past, is present, but it's also future. You can say, yes, I believe that I will be saved, not in a sense of presumption or infallible knowledge, but you realize that there's necessity of a life of faithfulness to the end in order to be saved. Now, this is where you get a lot of drop-off in many Protestant circles. But, you know, this is difficult because there's quite a bit of variety. There's the um, cheap grace uh, form of Protestantism, which just, you know, say the words, walk forward and crusade, and you're saved, and that's it. And it's the faith alone, and it really is alone. It's not balanced through some Bible reading and realizing we really have to do good works. Jesus said twice in the Gospel of Matthew, first in chapter 10, 
He said, but he who endures to the end will be saved. That's Matthew 10, 22. Matthew 24, 13, talking about the end times, Jesus says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You see, there has to be the endurance. There has to be the ongoing nature. And not just for two or three years, it's a lifelong loving obedience to God and having the kind of faith that's truly alive. Faith alone is dead. But a living faith nurtured by the sacraments will endure. That's why God bestows riches on us to nourish us for the journey, because faith is a lifelong walk. And But somebody would say, well, that's the Gospels, and we like St. Paul. Well, that's a wrong way of looking at the New Testament, but let's look at what St. Paul says. 1 Corinthians 15, first two verses. Now, I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preach to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if, if, that's a conditional phrase, if you hold it fast, unless you believed in vain. You see, the faith that remains alone, the faith that's temporal and doesn't endure, the faith that doesn't work through love, the faith that doesn't walk with you through life, that's not holding it fast. That's believing in vain. I would remind you, brethren, the gospel I preach to you by which you are saved, if you hold it fast, unless you believe in vain. And then the, I would say, the really forgotten verse of the Bible regarding justification or salvation comes from Matthew chapter 12. And surprisingly, I was in an evangelical uh, scholar's workshop, and an evangelical <laughs> realized his creed, found a verse that didn't fit with his creed. It's from Matthew 12, 36, Jesus speaking. I tell you on the day of judgment, this is future, men will render account for every careless word they utter. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So yes, there's a past nature, having saving faith, coming into that justification relationship with Jesus. There's that ongoing nature of that faith working through love, but there's also that future aspect when we stand before the king and being justified by our words or condemned. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 180 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.